Hi, this is Philip Holland, host of Hope for the Day. I'm so excited that you are listening and you have this to look forward to from today's message. What it really boils down to is this, greed. Now, I don't think of myself as a greedy person. I don't even think of you as a greedy person. You probably don't think of yourself as a greedy person, but the reality is, is when it comes to many of the issues that we have, especially even those that go beyond just the particular area of our finances, often it comes back to greed. Welcome to Hope for the Day with Pastor Philip Holland. In the New Testament, Jesus had a lot to say about heaven, hell, faith, and salvation. But there is one topic that Jesus talked about more than all of these topics combined, how to manage money. In fact, one in 10 verses in the New Testament is about managing money. 16 of the 38 parables are about how to manage money. One in four teachings from Jesus are about, you guessed it, how to manage your money. In this series, we are going to dig deep into Jesus' teachings about this important subject. The reason we are doing this isn't because God wants something from you, it's because God wants something for you. You see, God doesn't want your money, He wants your heart. That is why the Bible says, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Our hope is that through this series, you will gain insights into how to have more margin, less debt, an increase in peace, a decrease in greed, and most importantly, a greater appreciation for all that God has given you in Jesus. We want to extend an invitation to you. If you live in or are visiting the Denver metropolitan area, We would love to have you attend a service at Valley View Christian Church this Sunday at 9 or 10.30 a.m. Now please enjoy today's message. Now in Genesis chapter 1 and 2 and even part of 3, everything was as it was supposed to be. Everything was said to be very good, as God says, as God once said. And with it being very good, Uh, You saw that there was a proper relationship between man and God. You saw that there was also all of creation was as it was supposed to be. Animals um, were able to interact with one another the way that they were originally designed to interact with one another. Again, there was no sin. Everything was exactly the way that God intended it to be. But then some fruit was eaten and sent her into the world. And with that, there was brokenness that came as a result of that. There was sin that had caused so much of the fall to happen throughout our world. These things that we often wonder, why is this the case? Why do people have to die? Why is it that there is divorce? Why is it that there is bankruptcy? Why are these challenges and tragedies all around us? And another why that's certainly much more lighthearted is the fact that when I walk into my backyard and I start roaming around, I want to know why are there so many weeds? Why is it that I cannot get rid of these weeds, no matter what it is that I do? Well, part of the problem was, is that my wife, as she would tell me, is that I don't pull the weeds the right way. Because I have a tendency to just want to complete the job. But what she tells me is, is like, you don't really complete it if you don't do it right. Because when it comes to weeds, I just pull the weeds and then move on to the next batch and pull those weeds and pull some more weeds. And as long as it is better than it was before I got to it, then I feel like I have accomplished my job. And when it comes to weeds, that is how I approach them. Now, what she tells me then is that unless you get to the root of the weed, you don't really fix the problem. You have to get down to the root, grab it right. In order to get down to the root, you have to grab the weed at the base of it by where it's at the ground. And sometimes even 
going to incorporate a tool to get that weed out. Otherwise, it's eventually just going to grow back. And in some cases, it might even grow back worse. And anyway, so moral of the story is don't ask me to come over and do landscaping for you. <laughs> but the, also the moral of the story is, as it relates to any of the problems, specifically what we're going to be talking about today is that you have to get to, I have to get to the root of the problem if we really want to address the problem. And when it comes to the topic of our finances, for many of us, we have stress. Um, for many of us, we even have marital strife because of our, the way we manage our finances. We have less margin than we should have. We have less surplus than we should have. We don't have um, the opportunity to do things that we ought to do or we would like to be able to do because we just don't have enough money. And what we do to address those particular problems, and they are, there are many of them, there are a multitude when it comes to our finances, is we often do like I do with the weeds. We just try to modify whatever's on top, whatever we can see. We grab a hold of that, try to make a little bit of a difference, but then eventually the problem resurfaces and it's even worse than it was before. And so we might cut back on eating out a little bit. We might have one less coffee drink a week. We might even delay buying that, that phone for a few months. But if we don't really deal with the root of the problem, the problem really doesn't go away as my wife likes to remind me. And so what is the root of the problem when it comes to the financial issues that we often have? Well, I'll tell you in a second. But to get us to where we need to be before I tell you, I gotta ask you a couple questions. And one of those questions is, is what do you do with your spare money? When I read that question, I think to myself of the 20 or $30 in change that's around my house, or maybe a few dollars here or there. Maybe it's a $5 bill that's in my pocket. Maybe it's a couple dollars that are in a drawer and it's some change that again are all over the house. I don't do a lot with that spare money, but that's not the spare money that I'm talking about here. The spare money that I'm talking about here is much more than that. Now, you might not think you have spare money. In fact, when I was thinking about this question, I thought to myself, I don't really have spare money because 10 or 15 or $20 doesn't really do much for my life when I think about it. But what do you do with the real spare money that you actually have? Because if you look at the world around us, if you look at even the nation around us, what you realize is that you have more spare money than you think. For example, I would say that you have extra money if you take regular vacations. And that's just for the people that are, live around us in America. You have extra money if you have a car, or you have more than one car, or your kid has a car, or your car has a little house that we call a garage. If you have that, from a global standpoint, you have spare money. Let me say it this way. If you drive a perfectly good car onto a car lot, and then you pick up a more expensive, newer, shinier, perfectly good car and drive away with more of a payment than you have spare money. If you walk into your kitchen and you look at that perfectly good countertop and that perfectly good refrigerator and that perfectly good oven and those perfectly good cabinets that are perfect for all the food you put in them and dishes, but you say, I'm gonna change all of this. And I'm going to put a new countertop, a new refrigerator, a new oven, new cabinets, new pantry, new everything. If you can do that, then I'm not saying there's anything wrong with it. I'm just saying you've got extra money. You've got some spare money. So we all got a little bit extra. The question really is then, 
why do you not feel like you have spare money? Why do I not feel like I have spare money? Well, that gets to the root of the real problem that most of us have when it comes to our finances. If you were to look at your financial issues, if I were to examine some of the financial challenges that pop up here and there for me, what it really boils down to is this, greed. Now, I don't think of myself as a greedy person. I don't even think of you as a greedy person. You probably don't think of yourself as a greedy person, but the reality is, is when it comes to many of the issues that we have, especially even those that go beyond just the particular area of our finances, you go way beyond that. Often it comes back to greed. Why, why is your health so poor? Why do you have a strained relationship with your marriage? Why is it that you know, you're never around for your kids? Often it comes back to greed. Because if you're always working to make more money, then you can't keep yourself healthy. If you're putting in more time trying to get another deal, often there isn't time to connect with the kids. Often there isn't connect, time to connect with your spouse. Thank you for tuning in to Hope for the Day. Our mission is to offer you hope through Christ-centered biblical preaching. We certainly hope this broadcast is doing just that for you today. You might not know this, but each of these sermons are recorded live at Valley View Christian Church in the Denver metropolitan area. If you live in the city, we would love to meet you in person. We offer Sunday services at 9 and 10.30 a.m. We have programming for children of all ages, dynamic worship, plenty of opportunities to get connected beyond Sundays, outreach initiatives, and much, much more. And do you wanna know why we do all that we do? Because so much of our church leadership has had their life changed by a local church. Because it is here that we met Jesus and he changed our lives. And we want Jesus to change your life as well. So attend a service at Valley View Christian Church. We'd love to meet you personally. We're located just south of Highlands Ranch off of Highway 85 Santa Fe. You can go to our church's website, valleyviewcc.com, for more information. Now let's get back to our program. And how do we define greed? Well, I would say it this way. I found this definition this past week. Greed is the assumption that it is all for my consumption. And often we function with the assumption that everything that we have is for our consumption. Our house, our cars, all the money that we've got, the time that we have, which is by far the most valuable resource that you've got. It's all for you and for me. And we get to use it however we want. Unless we talk to Jesus. Unless we're open to what it is that he has to say. And he would have this to say about that. He said, watch out. Why do you have to say watch out? You have to say watch out when something's dangerous. When you have to be careful. When something's going to sneak up on you. You aren't going to see it coming, but then it comes and it hits you right between the eyes. Watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Because greed sneaks up on you. Greed is one of those things that I think this side of heaven is always with us just a little bit. And maybe even for some of us, a lot of it. But it's always there and there's all kinds of it. And what do I mean by all kinds of it? What did he mean by all kinds of it? Well, I think that he meant something like, you can be a saver, a really good saver, and be greedy. Because you're just hoarding it all for yourself. Because you don't know what the future holds. Or you can be, you can be really, really rich. And you can have a lot of money. You can have more money than you'll ever spend, more money than your kids will spend, more money than your grandkids could probably even spend. And it's still not enough. And you can be greedy. And you can be really poor. 
and you judge the people that have more than you, they've got things that you don't have and you don't have a lot. Some of the most greedy people that I've ever known really didn't have a lot of wealth. In fact, if you examine their finances, they were well, well into the negative. There's all kinds of greed. And sometimes it's wanting what you don't have. Sometimes, sadly, it's wanting what you can't afford and still getting it anyway. And Jesus reminds us life because he came that you would have life. He wants you to have the fullest life that you could possibly have. A life that you can't even fathom. A life that is abundant and it is beyond imagination. He came that you would have life. And then he reminds us that that life does not consist of the abundance of our possessions. It doesn't consist of the things that we have. But we justify our greed by saying things like, ah, I'm just careful with my money. I'm a saver. I grew up in a poor home. I'm not sure what the future might hold. And so we hold and we hoard and we keep it all to ourselves. But that's not what Jesus wants for you. So what is it that he wants for you? What does he want from me when it comes to this very, very important subject? How do we get to the root of this problem? Well, in the context of that verse I just read you, this is what's going on and this is what Jesus said about it. He said, someone in the crowd said to him, referring to Jesus, teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. And so this man is dealing with an inheritance dispute with his brother and he needs to get this issue resolved. And so he comes to Jesus and he asks him for some financial advice. And that is, in my opinion, a very good thing. I think it's a good thing not just going to Jesus asking for financial advice. I think it's good to just go to Jesus and ask for advice about everything, anything. What is it that he has to say about how we manage money and how we manage our possessions? And what did he have to say? Well, I'll tell you this. He had a lot to say about it. Actually, in the New Testament, one in 10 verses teach about money and possessions. 16 of 38 parables teach about money and possessions. 25% of Jesus' teachings are about money and possessions. And that is intriguing to me because what that essentially means is, is that if I stood up here and one out of four sermons that I preach was about money and possessions, that this teaching ministry would actually be closer to what Jesus originally taught than it is now. Now, I'm not going to do that. So, you know, don't, don't, go, don't, don't get too nervous about that. I'm not going there. But because of the day and the age that we live in, if one in four sermons were about money and possessions, there would never be more doubt about my teachings and the teachings from this stage being in line with Jesus' teachings. And why is that? Well, again, that comes back to the root of our problem for many of us, which is often greed. Now, as we come to Jesus and we want to hear what it is he has to say about this, there's a couple things I want you to catch here. One is, if you don't believe in him, um, or maybe you're just dabbling back in the church and you're re-engaging with the church and you haven't been connected to the church in a long time, what, what I'm talking about here is good to know, but it's like fifth on the list for you right now. We just want you to get Jesus. We don't right now want you to grab a hold of what Jesus has to say about this subject in our lives. Okay, we want you to grab a hold of him. And if you're just kind of, again, trying to ease back into the church, I get it. It takes some time. And again, these are important things to know and to do something with, but there are more important things for you. Now, for the rest of us who have been journeying with the Lord for some time, and, and maybe we even consider this our church home, what he has to say is very, very important to us. Not because we're trying to say, give it all away. That's not at all where I'm going with this, at all going with this today. What I want for you is to have that life that Jesus wants for you. 
What I want for me is to have that life. And the only way we get that life is if we deal with the greed that's in our heart. And that is what Jesus does in this parable. So the second thing that we actually see from this guy here is this. He, he did the right thing by going to Jesus, but then he asked Jesus to validate what he already believes about the money. He says, tell my brother to divide the inheritance. And Jesus, seeing what's going on here, he says, I'm going to get to the heart of the problem here. I'm going to deal with the issue that's really going on here. And he doesn't validate what this guy already believes, which is kind of an important question for us to even consider. If you learned what Jesus says about money, that mo what Jesus says about money is different than how you handle it, would you be willing to make the sacrifices and changes he wants? And we can really put any word here. If you learned what Jesus says about your marriage, about how you're supposed to work, about how you handle your time, about forgiveness, about anger. If you learned what Jesus had to say about anxiety, would you be willing to make the necessary sacrifices and changes he wants? Years ago, centuries ago really, the Knights Templar went off to the Holy Land to recapture Jerusalem. Before these knights would often set off, they would go see a priest. And when they went to see the priest, they would be baptized. And there are stories of these knights being baptized, taken down and taken down into the water and still holding up their sword out of the water, even as they went into the water. Because they were saying, God, you can have every part of my life, but because of some of the things that I'm about to do and I have to do, I'm keeping this sword to myself. I'm going to have control over that. Thank you for tuning in to Hope for the Day. We hope this message has been an encouragement to you. I know it has been to others. I recently received a message from a listener of ours who said, thank you for these messages on Hope for the Day. It is encouraging and refreshing to hear biblical-centered teaching that continually points people to Christ. This is one of the several notes that I've received from people that are blessed by our program. That is why we want to continue this program on the radio, but that can only happen through the generous contributions of listeners like yourself. If you'd like to partner with us financially, just go to Valley View Christian Church's website, valleyviewcc.com, and then click on the gift tab there. Once you click on the tab, just designate a gift to go to the radio ministry of Hope for the Day. Your gift would be an incredible blessing to this ministry. And as always, we want to meet you personally as well. That is why if you live in the Denver metropolitan area, we want to extend an invitation to you to visit us in person at one of our Sunday services, 9 and 10.30 a.m. If you do, please introduce yourself to me, Philip Holland. I'd love to meet you. Now let's get back to the program. Now we don't have a sword that we would hold out of that water of baptism, but we might have a wallet. <laughs> in fact, it's been said the most sensitive nerve in your body is the one that goes from your heart to your wallet. It's a sensitive subject, I know. It is for all of us. And that's why Jesus takes advantage of this opportunity to teach about this issue. And so Jesus replied, he said, man, who appointed me judge or arbiter between you? But then he takes advantage of this moment. He says, watch out, be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in the abundance of your possessions. And what Jesus does here is the man, he wanted to deal with the fruit. He wanted to deal with what was on the outside, but Jesus wants to deal with the root. He wants to deal with what's on the inside. And so he tells a story. He told this parable, the ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. He thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. 
Now you might wonder where you fit in this story. Well, I'll tell you where you fit. You fit where there is an abundant harvest because you have an abundant harvest, especially from a global standpoint. You may not realize this, but you are filthy rich. I'm filthy rich. Whenever we look at what's going on around us, we have more than we could ever, most of the world could ever imagine needing to manage. Most of the world right now lives on approximately $3,000 a year. In America, the approximate median income is $65,000 to $70,000 a year. And here in our area, it is much, much, much more than that. Now, you may not realize this, but you are well within the top 1% of earners in all of the world. In fact, you aren't even just in the top 1%. You're in the top 10th of 1% in the entire world. You have an abundant harvest. You are rich beyond your wildest imaginations. And that question that he said is one that we all have to say and answer, what shall I do in light of everything that I've been given and been blessed with? And you've been given a lot. I've been given a lot. Because, let, me, let me just ask you this. Did you do anything to be born into the 20th century or even now, goodness, the 21st century? No, you didn't do it. Did you do anything to be born into America? No. Did you do anything to end up in Douglas County? Maybe. <laughs> or Jefferson County or Arapahoe County or any of those counties around us. You might have done a little bit there, but let me tell you something. My point is that so much of what you have has been out of your control. And that's, and that's okay. That's okay, but you've been given an abundance. And what are you going to do with that? Well, for many of us, we have that greed in our heart that's getting control of us, and so we need to change that. We need to deal with that. And I'm going to give you two questions to help us to navigate the abundance that we have been given. And here's the first question. Will you manage your wealth or own your wealth? Now, I know this sounds like a bit of an odd question, and generally managing things isn't always seen in a positive light. But in this particular case, managing is exactly what you need to do. Because that's really all you are doing. I know a bank tells you you own it. I know you've got some documentation that tells you you own some things. I get it. But the reality is, is you have it for just a little bit of time. It's not a lease, but it's kind of like a lease. Whenever you lease something, you get it, and then you have it for that period of time, and then you have to give it to somebody else. That's what happens with everything that we have in this life. God has given it to us. We have it for a little bit of time, and then we don't get to take it with us. And the Egyptians taught us this because the Egyptians tried to take it with them. King Tut's tomb, that, that casket that he was in was almost worth $2 million. And guess what? Whenever they finally found that tomb, it was still there, as was everything else that was in that tomb. And grave robbers knew this. And so they would target those tombs because they knew that when that person was gone, everything else stayed. In other words, we're all managers. In the eternal scheme of things, we're really not owners. And the book of uh, Chronicles tells us this. Yours, O Lord, is the greatness and the power. Everything in heaven and on earth is yours. Yours, O Lord, is the kingdom. You are exalted as head over all wealth and honor come from you. And so when it comes to documentation that I'm looking to define what it is that I own and don't own, I'm not going to go to the bank statements. I'm not going to necessarily search through our, our file cabinet at home. I'm going to open up my Bible and say, all right, God, what do I own and what don't I own? And God says, you don't own anything. You're just the manager. Now, have you, you don't have to raise your hand, but think to yourself, have you ever had a budget you were responsible for and you went over 
or maybe you misspent or misappropriated some funds. Maybe it was intentionally, maybe it was unintentionally. Well, that's not fun when somebody who is over you comes to you and addresses that issue with you. That's not a good conversation to have. I don't like having those conversations in either which way they happen. That's just not good. And that's what God's gonna do with us one day. He's gonna look at you and say, well done, good and faithful servant, or he's not. I'm not saying that's a salvation issue. Of course it's not. But what I am saying is that God is looking at how we manage what it is that we have been given. How many of you have, you can raise your hands on this one, read the screw tape letters? Few, oh, all right, man, we have got some super spiritual Christians here. That's great. So the screw tape letters is a C.S. Lewis classic book. A more modern version of it, if you're interested, is Lord Falgren's letters. It's written by Randy Alcorn. And that, it, there, this is a book, screw tape letters, is a book of a senior demon writing letters to a junior demon to advise the junior demon on how uh, to influence people away from God, how to influence them to not believe in Jesus. And, and the strategies, they aren't rocket science, but they revolve around distraction. They revolve around temptation. And interestingly enough, the senior demon writes the junior demon, and he even encourages the junior demon to say, To learn more about this sermon, sermon series, or other messages, please visit our church's website at valleyviewcc.com. You can also find these radio segments on the Hope for the Day, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. Valley View Christian Church is located just south of Highlands Ranch off of Highway 85, Santa Fe. We provide services at 9 and 10.30 a.m. every Sunday. This broadcast is made possible through generous contributions of listeners like you. If you'd like to partner with us financially, just go to our church's website and then click on the gift tab there. We look forward to having you join us again next time on Hope for the Day.